I guess God picked me because he knew I could handle it. He gave me the strength. And even when I didn't know it, God knew it. I want to be that person to treat someone's family members with dignity and respect at the worst time of their life. The way that I would want someone else to treat my family or me. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Throughout the course of our lives, there are bound to be times that we look back and see, or maybe even wish, that we might have made better choices. Our guests this week are well aware of the consequences our choices have, but also recognize that our struggles are part of the bigger picture, the evolution of the person God is shaping and growing into the very best person to be used by Him. We welcome author and RN, Tana Amen, to the show, along with three women from the Jobs Partnership Organization in Peoria, Illinois, Cheryl Parks, Mila Brown, and Corday Rice. First up, Tana Amen is a nurse, author, and vice president of Amen Clinics. Being on the front lines of people's worst moments meant that Tana eventually had to face a deep well of her own past trauma, including a difficult family history. Tana spent years hiding her emotions and her pain deep down, and it wasn't until she met her future husband, Dr. Daniel Amen, that she began to realize she was strong, not in spite of the things she'd been through, but because of them. After she stopped running, Tana found true freedom when she realized God was more concerned with her future than with her past. And as she pursued total healing by opening herself up to God, she reclaimed her emotional, spiritual, and physical health as well. I'm Tana Amen, Vice President of Amen Clinics. I'm a nurse, an author, and a speaker. And most of all, I'm a mother and a wife and a cancer survivor. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to share your story and it's a tricky thing to do, but I felt called to do it, if you will. My family was very chaotic. I didn't grow up in the perfect leave it to beaver Christian home. It wasn't like that. It was more like Jerry Springer material. And so I'd become very disconnected from them as a way to save myself as a survival technique. I disconnected from most of my family. Other than my mother, I pretty much pulled away from everyone. And it was really hard to even think about reconnecting with them because of the pain that goes along with engaging in that family chaos, that family drama. My mother was a 16-year-old runaway. She never finished high school. There was a lot of mental illness in my family, a lot of addiction. We were very poor when I was growing up. And my mother didn't do drugs. She had a really hard time providing. So when my father abandoned us and started doing drugs, that, that had a huge impact on how I was raised. He became later a Baptist minister. And even though he was a Baptist minister, he never really took responsibility. He remarried, he had children again, but he never really took responsibility for me. And he never really took much of an interest in me. And that affected my spiritual walk for a long time. That was really hard for me because I sort of compared my dad to God for a long time. So that was one thing that was really hard for me. But one of my earliest memories was my uncle who was the heroin addict. My other uncle who was not a heroin addict was murdered in a drug deal gone wrong. And it was because he was trying to help my uncle who was an addict. And that really left a blemish on our family that was hard. It was hard for us. And I I just, I remember my mother and my grandmother screaming and falling to the floor. And That was not uncommon, police being called. I mean, murder wasn't common, fortunately, but police being called and drama and chaos. And when I look back at my childhood, that's what I remember. And then I was molested by my stepdad when I was 12. And at 15, I was actually assaulted by a stranger, like an absolute stranger when I was walking to school. 
And after that, I developed an eating disorder. I think I just felt so out of control of my life. I, I just had nowhere to turn and drugs weren't an option for me. And so that really was a difficult thing for me to deal with growing up and not knowing who to ask for help and why it was happening. And then at 23, when I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, I felt like everything just sort of snapped. The thyroid cancer metastasized, it kept coming back. I had to quit my job, drop out of school. And you know, I, at, there was a time when I actually finally thought I'd had the world by the tail and it all just came to a screeching halt. And that was the final straw. And I fell into this very deep depression and I wished I could just die. And fortunately, my mother had instilled this very deep level of guilt and always told me that if something happened to me, her life would be over. So I never really thought about killing myself, but I really kept thinking there's no reason for me to be on the planet. And I just wished that God would let a truck hit me or I kept praying that God would just let something happen because I was just wasting oxygen on the planet. So in my youth, there was so much craziness in my family. Um, And one of the things that happened was I had an uncle who was a heroin addict who who really scared me. His behavior was really unpredictable. It made my home unpredictable. And that same uncle became this amazing mentor in my life years later when he got cleaned up and he started actually teaching motivational seminars of all things. And he asked me, how much responsibility are you willing to take for your life and where it's at? Because it was a mess. And I said, Well, I can't take responsibility for getting cancer. I mean, that's what threw me so far off track and I went way off track and I can't take responsibility for depression. I mean, that wasn't my idea of a good time getting cancer and becoming so depressed. I wanted to die. And he looked at me and he said, I didn't ask you how much blame you're willing to take. I asked you how much responsibility you're willing to take, which means the ability to respond. He said, if you're willing to take 50% responsibility, then you have 50% opportunity to change the outcome. And it was a light switch moment because I realized in that moment that if I only took 50% responsibility, it meant someone or something else had the other 50%. It meant I wasn't really in control of it. It wasn't me just relying on God. It was like me giving up control and being a victim. And it was this light switch moment and it changed the trajectory of my life at that point. I want people to understand that responsibility isn't blame, but it gives you more power over your own life. And one of my favorite Bible verses about this is 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And that just reminds me that if you really just turn to God, if you surrender, and if you take responsibility for your life, we have a lot of addiction in my family. There was a lot of mental illness. And I'd become, even after I became a nurse, I didn't realize how judgmental I was towards addiction and towards mental illness. And so I actually chose to work in a trauma unit where people are sedated and intubated. So I chose blood and guts over any type of psychological, you know, issues with patients. And I shoved it all down and didn't really want to deal with it. And then I was faced a couple of times with God putting the challenge of helping some of my family members who I hadn't talked to in years. So what I learned is that when I put myself out there, and helped when I didn't want to. I just had no idea how much of the help, like the help was for them, but the healing was for me. God had these big healing lessons in store for me and I couldn't see it. I couldn't know it until I actually did it, until I actually trusted him enough to do the uncomfortable thing. So the help was for him and the healing was for me. And I started to realize that's, you know, I'm reluctant when it comes to healing But God knows so much more than we do. There's a reason he puts these things in front of us. And it's, I probably will argue again in the future. 
but I'm gonna lose. I already know that because I've already said that prayer. It's like, God, please humble my heart. Let me know when this is from you. I think it's important to draw boundaries, but also understand when God's calling you to do something. My favorite Bible hero is King David. Um, I have a friend who's a mentor and she sort of drugged me to church at the heart, one of the hardest times of my life in my 20s. And I had been depressed and I was sick and there was so much going on. And I thought if there's a God, he doesn't love me. So why should I love him? And it, that is if there is a, even is a God. But she she took me to church and I started to hear some Bible stories. And when I heard about King David, I was like, wait, <laughs> if he can do it, I can do it. If God forgives him and loves him, you know, this is a this is a man who was so faithful and yet went so far off track. I mean, he was kind of a disaster at one point. And yet God not only forgave him, but he blessed him. And he said he said he was a man created after his own heart. And once I realized this, I knew there was hope for me. And I just, I think God cares less about where you've been than where you're going. And I'm so grateful for that grace and that mercy. And once I realized this, I just knew there was hope. And through that process, I learned that responsibility is my favorite word. It just became my favorite word because responsibility means the ability to respond. It doesn't mean taking blame. And it's just an amazing thing. I almost canceled my first date with my husband, Dr. Daniel Amen, when I found out he was a psychiatrist. I wasn't really interested in being psychoanalyzed. And I had been through so much in my youth. And then I went through a painful divorce and an ugly custody battle. And I met him right about that time. And I'm like, you know, I've got so much baggage. I'm just going to save him the energy. So I kept pulling away from him. And he wouldn't leave me alone. He just kept telling me, why don't you let me decide? Which I... At first, I thought it was actually manipulative. I thought nobody's this nice. He kept, you know, he just, he kept consistently being kind. And I kept thinking, there's no one this nice. This isn't going to work. And I had just sort of, even though I had renewed my faith before I, my first marriage, I started struggling again because after my divorce, it was just such an ugly process. I didn't blame God, but I thought, you know, if this can happen, I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's me, but this isn't working. And so I just figured that it hadn't really helped and I was too messed up. I'm like, you know what? Walking with God didn't really help my life, even though it really did at the time, but I wasn't able to see it. So I'm just going to pull away and do it my way. And, and I was really, um, I built this facade. I built this wall. I wouldn't let anybody in. And the eating disorder actually returned right about that time. And so I couldn't let anyone see that. I was going through this custody battle. I was a single mom. I was under so much stress, but I had to have it together. So as opposed to when I was younger and I fell apart, I financially was very secure. I looked like I had it all together. I owned my own home. I had a good job and I would paint my face every day and do my hair. And everyone thought that I had it completely together, but on the inside, I was a complete mess. So I had this facade and no one could see through it. Not even Daniel really saw through it, but he is so different. And I don't even know how to explain that. He's just got this, this very kind soul. And eventually he, he just broke down my walls and I kept warning him that he'd be better off not getting involved with me. And he was just so persistent. And when I finally told him, I just broke apart and I ended up telling him everything, all the worst things about me. And I kept thinking, why am I telling this this man, of all people, the worst things about me. 
And he kept saying how amazing he thought I was, like not in spite of what I'd been through, but because of what I'd been through. And that was the first time I ever heard that. And then he introduced me to people in the field and techniques that ultimately helped me process past trauma. And I realized I had never processed anything from my past. So I was willing to finally just face my past and all the shame and, that I felt. And I started doing EMDR and some other, some other techniques that really just changed my life again and just brought me so close to my daughter and changed what kind of a mother I was and what kind of a wife I was. And I ended up marrying my best friend. Spending quiet time with God is very important. I notice that when I get too busy, my life feels chaotic and hectic. When I take the time to pray and meditate, I feel like I can handle what's going on in my life. It's just that simple. I am familiar with Jesus Calling. I love the daily devotional. I agree with Sarah that no matter what your life looks like today, God definitely has a plan. I am an example of that. I feel like my life is so much better today, not in spite of my struggles, but because of them. You just have no idea how powerful that can be going forward, what God has in store for you if you will just trust him. So I'd like to read one passage from Jesus Always, March 13th. Do not dwell on the past, beloved. You can learn from the past, but don't let it become your focus. You cannot undo things that have already occurred, no matter how much you may yearn to do so. Instead of wishing for the impossible, Come to me and pour out your heart. Remember that I am your refuge. Trust in me at all times. Reinforce your confidence in me by saying frequently, I trust you, Jesus. Uttering those four words can brighten your day immediately. Dark clouds of worry are blown away by simple childlike trust. I am doing a new thing. Be on the lookout for all that I am accomplishing in your life. Ask me to open the eyes of your mind and heart so you can see the many opportunities I've placed along your path. Don't fall into such a routine that you see only the same old things and miss the newness. Remember that I can make a way where there appears to be no way. With me, all things are possible. I just think God wants us to use our voices, but he wants us to learn to use them in a positive way. Reclaiming our health and wellness is one of the most empowering things we can do, and I did not grow up healthy. I was a very sick child. So I went on a mission to learn what the importance of nutrition, lifestyle, exercise, what what is the importance to our physical health, to our mental health. If you are trying to deepen your spiritual growth, have a positive impact on your life, and you are spending your time with people in a church community, there are studies that actually show that people live longer when they are involved in Bible studies and church groups and small groups and church in general, because they are hanging out with healthier people. Then there's your psychology. It's what is your thinking like? What is your mindset? Your thoughts lie. They lie a lot. You need to learn to control your thinking. And the Bible talks so much about that and it's so important. Then there's your social circle. It's who are you hanging out with? Because people matter. People are contagious. So, That same idea also connects to your spiritual circle. So your spiritual circle is what gives you meaning and purpose. Why is the world a better place because you breathe? Now, obviously for a Christian, that means your connection to God. Meditation is when 
I listen to God and I listen for what he's saying to me and prayer is when I'm talking to God. And I tell him my joy, my frustration, everything that there is and I get it out of my head and it just really stills my soul and it's so helpful. It just ask yourself what you're grateful for, but then turn around and say, today is going to be a great day. And I know that sounds so simplistic, but the truth is your brain does not have a sense of humor. It just does what you tell it to do. So if you start the day with today is going to be a great day, your brain has no choice but to start to look for why the day is a great day. I find that amazing. Trusting in God, how he can use, you know, blow away the the dark clouds of worry by simple childlike trust. And I just think that's incredible. God cares less about where you've been, what's going on, than where we are going. To learn more about the Amen Clinic and Tana's work, please visit TanaAmon.com. Stay tuned to the stories of the women from the Jobs Partnership Organization after this brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Twenty twenty has brought a lot of challenges to many of our lives, but none more than our country's first responders. The team at Jesus Calling has chosen one hundred Jesus Calling devotions that have been specially selected for those heroes in our midst. There are hardcover editions of these one hundred devotions for medical professionals, firefighters, law enforcement, and the armed forces. Find these Jesus Calling for first responders editions exclusively at ChristianBook.com. Our next guests are part of the Jobs Partnership Program in Peoria, Illinois, an organization that helps people who are incarcerated return back to society in healthy and productive ways. We're joined by Cheryl Parks, the executive director of the program, and two of its graduates, Mila Brown and Corday Rice, who share their own stories of how their lives were transformed by the program by those who believed in them and showed them love and the faith that propelled them to make a fresh start. Um, My name is Cheryl Parks, and I'm the Executive Director of Jobs Partnership. I'm also a pastor's wife, a mother of three, and a grandmother of three. Jobs Partnership here in Peoria is a program that works with anyone that's unemployed and underemployed, and those that are entering back into society after being incarcerated. And we have an extended program 
in the Peoria area. It's called Jaws Partnership Reentry. And we do quite a bit in the Peoria County Jail. We have classes on fatherhood, on healthy aging, on your credit, on financial counseling. We have addiction classes. We have classes on trauma and depression and anxiety. We have communication classes, and we bring in subject matter experts from all walks of life on these different programs that we offer. Hello, I'm Mila Brown. I am an advocate for Jobs Partnership Program. I'm a mom of three, a grandmother of three. I am a recovering addict. I was incarcerated in uh, Logan Correctional Center, and a friend of mine in there kept telling me about this program, this class called Jobs Partnership. And at the time, I was training dogs. So I was so busy and I kept using an excuse that I didn't have time. And then she told me, well, you can take your dog with you. (laughs) So I had no excuse anymore. So I signed up for the class and it was, I'm telling you, it was the blessing of, of all blessings. At the time, I had no idea where I was going to go when I, when I was released. And After the first class, I knew I was coming to Peoria and I was going to the jobs partnership house that they have for the women. And I just, I still had a year left before I was released and I really had no clue that I was going to get in, but I claimed it and here I am. Um, They opened so many doors and so many opportunities. They opened their arms and their hearts more than anything. And... And now I will just do anything for them. <laughs> they, they, they have me for life. I don't care where I am in the world, but they, they'll always have me. I remember Miss Cheryl came down and helped teach the class one time, and I loved her from day one. She's just she keeps it all the way real with people. She doesn't sugarcoat anything. If you're right, you're right, and if you're wrong, you're wrong. And she always gives people a chance, though, you know, even if you just keep messing up and keep messing up. And Cheryl is the type of person that's always got your back. It's funny because when I first came home and Michelle first asked me to speak at one of our functions, one of our dinners for our many volunteers, I hated speaking in front of people because I got so nervous and I get so emotional and I hate to cry in front of people. But it's funny. I think that's what I, I really love doing about it now because I feel like if my story can help anybody, one person, I've done what I, I needed to do. Hi, I am Corday Rice, and I am 30 years old. I am a graduate of the Jobs Partnership Program. I am the youngest sibling of four. And so in 2013, I lost both of my parents. Um, And what I mean by parents, my stepmother had been active in my life since I was born. So, you know, I would stay in California for school time. And then when it came time for vacation, I would go to Las Vegas with my stepmom and my father. So both of my moms passed away and life as I knew it in my mind was over. You know, I buried my birth mom in January of 2013 and I turn around and find my stepmother deceased in the house July of 2013. So my life went into a spiral. So I started using drugs and I started using it more. And 
I was dating this guy and being a bad girl, trying to hang with the uh, bad guys, I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to do. So I got pulled over on the highway March 31st of 2015, and I went to prison. I went to jail. So me going in, not knowing anybody from out here, just losing my parents, still trying to recover from being on drugs. It was scary. So I went in with a mind determined, I'm going to get everything that I need out of this place, whether they give it to me or I get it myself. So I went to among a lot of classes that they had, jobs partnerships stuck out the most. So I ended up doing a class and doing the homework, which was Bible-based, and I graduated from the class. So the whole time that I was incarcerated in my mind, I'm like, God, where am I going to go? I know no one. I have nobody. I have no family, no friends. No one has reached out to me for the four and a half years that I have been incarcerated. What am I going to do? So I wrote a letter to Jobs Partnership explaining to them my story and how I wanted to change and how I felt that I would be a perfect candidate to be a part of their program. So time, I'm anxious because my time is winding down. I'm getting ready to get released. So I hear something back. They said, well, we're going to do the phone interview and we're going to do this and that over the phone. So me leaving prison, (laughs) I was met there by Mila and another young lady who came and picked me up from prison. So I'm bawling, crying, and I'm just, you know, I was very excited when I got my acceptance letter to the Jobs Partnership Program. So it was like weights and an ease off of me. Lord, I have somewhere to stay. I'm not just going to be put any place and not know anybody. I knew deep down on the inside that changing people, places, and venues was the best thing that I could do because had I not done it and went back to Las Vegas or went back to California I would have fell into the same trap started using again and would have been right back at square one and all the work that I have put in for myself and all the work that I have done over the course of four and a half years would have been down the drain because I wanted to go back to the familiar. The familiar is always safe. People say that change is scary, but change is good. Corday and I, we grew and we made a big change in being incarcerated together. She had no choice but to come here with me. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that she would be a perfect candidate for this program. And I knew that this program would be perfect for her. And I, I wanted so much for her. And I knew what they did for me. So I knew she deserved just as much. So, yeah, she had no choice. She was coming here whether she liked it or not. <laughs> That's so tender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got me back here crying. Thanks. <laughs> Corday is truly my friend. And I've, I haven't been able to say that about a lot of women in my life. Um, but... She, she's been my friend for, for years now. And she's one that, you know, when we were incarcerated, I was a little tough, uh, tough nut to crack, I'll say. <laughs> and she cracked me. Like, she used to know when 
I I was holding stuff in and you know I was just I, I wouldn't let anything out and she would literally sit on me <laughs> and make me let it out and make me cry and make me you know instead of holding all that mess in and so seeing her blossom how she has it it makes me so happy and it makes me feel like we are where we're supposed to be you know God gave us a whole new family here when I look back over my life and I see the things that I have done that were horrible to people I thought that I could never be loved again I thought that I could never be the type of person that I am today that's God only God can do that because when you rely on just the the world perspective people will judge you they will talk about you criticize you oh well you haven't changed and she's gonna be right back where she was I'll just give it time you have those naysayers that'll say things like that to you to try to break you down so when God sent these women into my life it broke me down like a fraction in tears, but it was a blessing <laughs> to have these women just look at me and just say that I love you and they didn't even know me. So I knew right then and there that that could only be the love of God that's working through them in the Jobs Partnership Program. It's a blessing when we have women and, and people like the Jobs Partnership Program that comes in and tell you that you are somebody and then you reflect back on scripture and where God says you are somebody, you are loved, you are a child of the Most High. You have to stand firm on those scriptures and you have to start believing in yourself and stop believing the lies of the enemy and allow people to love you and embrace you because there are people out there that really do care. I, I believe a lot of women want things differently. I, I truly, truly believe that, but I believe that it's the fear of change and how to change, not knowing. And that's where I think our big push with Jaws Partnership comes in is like teaching the steps, but you can't just teach it. You gotta be there to walk through with them until they can walk on their own. After graduating from the Jobs Partnership Program, we had received a Jesus Calling, and mine was a, a pretty soft pink. It was just so inviting, you know, just so nice and just pretty soft pink. So I opened it and I started reading it, and I, I reflected back on the title of the book, Jesus Calling, Jesus Calling, Jesus Calling. So Jesus is calling me to read this book. <laughs> So I'm going to read it. And just the everyday daily devotion, it seems like it matched for every single day. Whatever I was going through, yes. it hit it right on the nose. And I was just so amazed. And I don't just have to read it, you know, oh, October, November, December. No, I can read it all year round and it matches every single time. That's how I got connected with the Jesus Calling book. I have been reading Jesus Calling, I think, since it came out, to be quite honest. And every day I read it, you know, along with my Bible study. And it is amazing how it hits on what is happening or what's about to happen in my day. And um, it just gives me a lot of peace and a lot of hope and a lot of, okay, you, you got this. You can do this. I got mine when I graduated from the program. And... Mine is pink also, Corday. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It just, 
like she said, it seems like it's always right on spot. It always knows. And I know it's crazy because, well, it's for everybody. It, it doesn't matter. You might be going through something different, but it when you read it in your mind, it's for you. I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Honestly, prison was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I, I feel like God knew that I didn't have the strength to get out of the situation that I was in. So he forced my hand. He was like, okay, Mila, you're getting out of this situation one way or the other. And if this is what I have to do to save your life, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to place somebody in your, in your life that's going to help you, which was jobs partnership. And, um, I'll, I feel like for anybody that hears my story or if they get anything from it, I want them to get that there is hope. There's a whole nother life that you can live. Um, Like I said, I was in a very dark place. I was a very insecure woman, lost. I, I had no hope for the future. I never, ever would have thought that I'd be living the life I'm living now. And God turned it around. And he, he showed me and he proved to me that anything can happen. So I would say all you have to do is have faith and surround yourself with people that that believe in you and that that will give you the strength and the support to move on with your life and make a better life for you and your family. To learn more about the work that happens at Jobs Partnership, visit jobspartnershippeoria.org. If you'd like to hear more about stories about putting our past behind us and finding the courage to change, check out our interview with Rebecca Bender. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with travel guru Rick Steves. Rick has made his life and career about traveling, and he empowers Americans to take overseas trips that are fun, affordable, and culturally broadening by helping them with guidebooks, his popular television show, a radio show, and a syndicated travel column. Traveling nearly everywhere on the globe and meeting all kinds of people informed how Rick interpreted Jesus' number one command, love your neighbor. If you take the uh, things we learn in the Bible and the things we learn at church and the things we embrace, and if you take it on the road with you, you realize, yeah, we're all in this together. We're all um, um, brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, if Jesus says, take care of the poor, if the golden rule is doing to others, you'd have others doing to you, or love your neighbor, or all these beautiful ideals, um, and we travel and and we see that need out there, uh, it makes it tough to come home and ignore it. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Jesus Calling Book, on Facebook, and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.